you're listening to I Don't Know What's Happening. My name is Vicki Marie and my friend Tara and I are recording our conversations and sharing it with you. We're discussing personal stories, our opinions on things like sex, relationships, dating, trauma, love, you name it. We're going to be talking about it. The other day we recorded so much and we broke it down into three parts for you titled Thanks, It's the Trauma. We appreciate all of you supporting our bullshit while we do this. It has been so much fun so far. We are so excited to share it with you. So without further ado, here's part one of Thanks, It's the Trauma. So um, I guess I should like at some point pay attention to uh, the list, the beautiful list that we made for our first episode. So uh, yes. yeah. So In- let's talk about the name first. Like <laughs> that was a great conversation. <laughs> Thanks. It's the trauma. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's perfect. We, yeah. We both have been through a lot of shit. <laughs> That is a that's a drastic understatement for sure. Yeah, that have shaped us into the cynical, funny, insane bitches we are today, which is wonderful. Yeah, we definitely have been through a lot, and I mean, we met in fourth grade or fifth grade, probably around like yeah fourth or fifth. I'm not exactly sure. Let's like not age ourselves and just pretend <laughs> that it was like two years ago. <laughs> I'm still 12. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish I was still 12. And when White I was 12, I so wish I was an adult. <laughs> Why do kids have such great skin? It's so unfair. Like, what are you going to do with it? Like, come on. You don't need this skin. Give it to me. Like, I need this skin. I need I... to look fresh. You don't need this shit. <laughs> they should have, like, a horror movie where, like, a woman steals children's, like, elasticity. Like, as a last-ditch effort for you. Well, isn't that what Hocus Pocus is about? They're like sucking the souls oh of my the God. Her skin. Yes. I'm like, I relate to this. I totally would do that. <laughs> yes, that's right. They do. Oh, God. That is such a fantastic movie. Did you see that they're doing like a, either a reboot or a second part or like a, yes. a prequel? Something I'm like so that. I'm so excited. I'm we so definitely excited. need it. It's it's well past due. I mean, I feel like all of those things from when we were younger coming back, they're making a Fear Street show for Netflix or that's going to be coming out soon. And uh, they uh, just redid um, The Addams Family as like a animation. Yes. Can I just say the husband in The Addams Family is like the perfect person that a male should strive to be? Because he's so in love with his wife. And he's just constantly, like, kissing her and loving on her. And it's, like, really, like, the perfect part of it. Like, that is the best thing I've ever seen. It's so true. I totally ship them. They are hashtag relationship goals, as the children say. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, um... What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about before we were rudely interrupted by the Anchor app. Guys, get your shit together. Um, we were talking about how Morticia and... Gomez. Gomez. 
Yeah, that they are the most amazing couple. And to me, they are. They are. They're like the earliest depiction in TV of respect and love and acceptance. And Oh, 100%. Because they both have such weird outlooks on life, but they both accept each other for the way that they are and are perfectly good with it. And their love just grows stronger from that. And that's like the most important thing. Absolutely. You can feel the love. I feel like everybody should be looking for their Morticia or Gomez. Like, 100%. They do. They have a very strong mutual respect. And the people mm-hmm. that wrote those characters, much they must have had like such good examples of love in their life because really like they do capture it it's beautiful yeah they must have had parents that were married for like years and years and years and years that had that kind of love and that is just something that everybody should strive for right like your parents yeah 51 years married it's just insane that is incredible given it's not perfect but at the same time like the fact that it can withstand so much time so much strife Mm -hmm. they've gone through so much like both of them are handicapped you know they they've had to go through a lot of stuff like surgeries stuff like that and they've stood by each other which is insane and I feel like love nowadays isn't meant to last long kind of like appliances (laughs) (laughs) You know how, like, those refrigerators from the 70s used to outlive, like, everything else? <laughs> there are definitely people that still have, like, a refrigerator from the 70s, 80s, like, sitting in their basement that they, like, We still do in ours. In. Yeah. 100%. See? Yeah. That thing still works like a motherfucker. It's amazing. Yeah. Built to last. I it mean... was. But now everything's built to break. And I feel like love is the same thing nowadays. Like, it's built to break. And it's upsetting. And I just want to find something that's like, that will live or outlive that kind of pressure from the outside world. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, um, you know, you know, you're uh, recently, you know, separated. I'm recently divorced. I the way that I look at it is, is it's okay that it didn't work, but next time around, I really, really, really feel like my past experiences have given me enough insight to like enter a relationship that actually has substance, that actually has longevity. I learned so much about myself through the process. I learned so much about um, how I communicate and how I need somebody else to communicate and what I need in a partner. And, exactly. And those things are non-negotiable. And, you know, right. Grow, right. Like growing up, we're taught that if you love the other person, that's all you need. And it's not true. Love isn't all you need. I think that there are a lot of couples that do love each other, but they can't communicate or they have conflicting right. morals or ideals. And, exactly. um, you know, we are told that. If you don't like your job, get a new job. If you don't like where you live, you move. If you don't like your friends, you get new friends. But, you know, marriage. See, I, was, I grew up with the opposite. My mom was always like, oh, if you don't like something that happens, like mold yourself to do it. And I was like, that's not right. 
Yeah. See, like my family, it was always like cool to like change jobs, change friends, move. That was all accepted. But like a relationship, like you're kind of taught, you know, you have to try. But there's right, only, exactly. There's only so much trying that you can do before, before you, you realize that it. it's like, no. Exactly. Like, we're just not meant to be. And this is not healthy for me. Like, I got down to, what, 93 pounds. Wow. Because I was stressed so – I was stressed out so much at that point that, like, I just kept losing weight and I couldn't figure out why. I was eating a ton. Mm-hmm. But my body was just like, nope, rejecting this. Bye. Yeah. And it was just insane. Like, I, I just don't know how it happened and I don't know how to stop it. Absolutely. Well, you know, stress and, uh, you know, uh, trauma and, um, you know, depression, they all have such a strong effect on your body and your mindset and your other relationships. And, and I mean, like in general, like it just impacts every area of your life. And I'm sure that like, since you have gotten out of a bad situation, these problems are slowly starting to alleviate, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I have never felt better. My skin color has gone back to normal. I don't look like I'm, like, on my deathbed anymore, <laughs> which is positive. Um, although without makeup, I still look like a sick child from, like, the 1900s. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> We've just come to accept that as normalcy at this point. Um <laughs> You don't fight it. You just accept it. No, you're just, just like, yes, yeah, without makeup, I look like I'm dying. It's fine. <laughs> fine. This is how Everything's I think. It's fine. I guess you have to pick and choose your battles, right? So, right, exactly. Like... Just pick your battles, which is another thing my mom taught me. Pick your battles. This is a battle that I'm not going to win. So well, it is what it is. But thank God for Botox. <laughs> right? Thank God. Botox like... has been a saving grace yeah you know in in your in your divorce you, you should like x x for like money for your botox because oh, yeah 100 percent botox therapy mm-hmm. like that should all be included in the divorce but i feel like there should be a divorce package a divorce like like, like almost like a debriefing and like exit yeah. strategy like post or like yeah like when you die you know how you go to the funeral home and you get to pick a package that should be, there should be a divorce package and that should be include it should include botox it should include therapy <laughs> i don't it know should include some money right <laughs> everything like that should suffering. all be included yes 100% especially if you're in an abusive relationship it should 100% include that <laughs> seeking damages and then start listing like needed botox because on this <laughs> date you did this Hundred percent. These stress lines are from you, asshole. So, we were talking about it earlier, and I definitely like want to go over this because we put together, you know, these questions and things we wanted to discuss that are important to us and feel like they'd be important to other people. And, and one of them was trauma. And, you know, the, the name of the episode is going to be thanks. It's the trauma. Um, yes. You know, you and I know, but 
to, to share with anybody that is listening. We realized that we got a lot from our trauma and we did and, and negative and positive. (laughs) We really do tend to focus on the positive though. Um, you know, it's, it's affected our sense of humor. It's affected our, our dating and sex life. And, um, again, some for the good, some for the bad. Oh yeah. I can see her away now. (laughs) It's great. One wrong, one wrong word. And I'm just like, nope. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. Were, were you this funny before the trauma or, or do you think that like, it like truly like changed like your sense of humor and like how you kind of communicate with others? Oh, it completely changed my sense of humor. My back in the day before anything happened, like when I was younger and I hadn't been through anything, mm-hmm. I was just like this girl with her head in the clouds, didn't give a shit about anything, like didn't think about anything. I had no sense of humor, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Because of it, it just made me like cynical slash, <laughs> slash sarcastic. Yeah. And I have the most humor now like everybody always comments they're like why are you so funny I'm like oh it's the trauma (laughs) (laughs) thanks it's the trauma (laughs) thanks it's the trauma (laughs) that's just how it is now how about you yeah for me um I think for me humor has been a coping mechanism it's also been a way to manage social anxiety and um, oh without a doubt uh and kind of like approach anything negative in my life in like kind of a a more um protected kind of way so right, for because me it is protecting yourself it is it's a it's a shield I mean like it's something about myself that I'm aware of and it's something about myself that I appreciate um I'm the type of person that there's very little that can offend me. All topics are on the table. Oh, exactly. Um, Non-judgmental. Exactly. Because we've been through, like, we're like, fine. Like, you can tell me anything. You could tell me, like, dress up as a furry on the weekends and, like, fuck goats. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, Yeah, like, as long as the goats are consenting. (laughs) Yeah, as long as it's consensual, it's cool. Or if they headbutted me right in the vagina, we're we're also cool because that that one deserves it at this point. Um, Yeah, he was asking for it. He was asking for it. <laughs> this is a revenge fuck at this point. We're fine. A revenge fuck. Through, through another vessel, though, because <laughs> you don't have the parts to do this, or at least not available to you at the moment. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that I think that I really like people like you that um, are in my life that I can kind of be 100% myself around that I can let that dark humor out. I definitely, in a professional setting, when I'm working with my clients or in any, right. any type of like, you know, serious environment, I really do have to actively tone it down and be aware of my audience. Um, but then I have oh, people I like totally you in that. my life that I can send the most fucked up shit at three o'clock in the morning after smoking my <laughs> weed pen. And, and, and you're like there for it. And not only are you oh, there yeah. for it and Always. get it or well, it's not like you're tolerating it. Like you get I it. I respond in time. Yes. Yes. 
I make it into a bigger thing, just like you do when I send you stuff. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes. We um, we basically started this because we we were sending each other screenshots of co- ridiculous conversations with people. Yeah, and you know, my current boyfriend, God bless him, <laughs> he puts up with my bullshit, and he is he is so funny. And he, him and I have a great banter. I've sent you screenshots of him and I oh, going yeah. back and forth. It's incredible. And it, it is funny because it definitely, like, is another layer of intimacy that I think that some people don't have, you know, right. to have, to be able to, like, get someone's sense of humor and to find them genuinely funny. Like, laughing together is such a great bond. That is and, the best. And when I have these exchanges with you um, or my boyfriends, I feel like it just brightens my day. And, like, it makes me feel so connected to, to whoever I have that, like, fun banter with. Um, and, and I'm fortunate enough that there's enough people that are as fucked up as us yes. that can share <laughs> We have a ton of fucked up friends that are just messed up as we are. And it's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's definitely something to appreciate, to, um, to celebrate. And, and the thing is, is that not all bonding over trauma is negative. I think that, you know, that that term trauma bond usually, you know, obviously it's different and has a different, you know, definition, but bonding over trauma, like, I would have never survived my life if I didn't have other people with equally fucked up lives exactly. around me, around me to be like, Hey, like I understand. I know how that feels. Um, so, so for me, I mean like, yeah, like it's affected my sense of humor, but I'm thankful for it. Oh, absolutely. It's like, it's one of the gifts that you get from it. Kind of like how with my anxiety, I always twist it and say that my anxiousness gives me a lot of positives. The fact that I can think out situations really quick and it gives me like a quick wit because I can just think of something instantly. Yeah. Because my brain's just going a hundred miles a minute at all times, but I, it, it's good in that way. Like it's, it's great. Absolutely. I think that, you know, and, and I, I'm saying I have, you know, um, anxiety. And I think for me, it like heightens my sense of urgency. I feel like it, it gives me that like push to get things um, done. It, the, the idea of failing is like a big is a big like source of my anxiety. I don't want to fail at anything. Right. Um, absolutely. So for me, it like, as much as anxiety is obviously a negative thing and it should always be addressed um, to the positive. If you have it and you're dealing with it and you're, you know, you're working on yourself actively, just look at the positive parts of it because there are, there are hundred percent are positive parts of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that, I mean, myself personally, as I've gotten older, I've learned to accept these things about myself. Um, not accept them in the way that they sh- like shouldn't be addressed. Like, oh, I have anxiety. That's not important. No, I do address that shit because that's important. And if you don't, you'll be fucked up. Oh, yeah. You know, but 
to me, accepting the fact that I have anxiety and being open about it and open about the fact that I address it. I feel like if everybody that managed it in a healthy way was open about it, it would encourage others that maybe aren't managing it in a healthy way to maybe try. Yeah, without a doubt, 100%. People should definitely be open about things that they're going through because it's important. Like I've noticed over the years, the more people I talk to, and I'm very – I'm a very open book when it comes to my life. I have no problem telling anybody anything. And I've noticed over the years, as I'm more open and more honest with myself and especially others, well, actually more especially myself, but also others, um, that it's been a positive because I've been able to help people Mm -hmm. through things Because I'm like, oh, this is definitely something you should talk to somebody about. Not me, because I'm not a professional. The most I can give you is sarcasm in response. But yeah, Mm -hmm. somebody else would be better, like a professional that can actually like help you through this. (laughs) Because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm I'm like I'm like you in that aspect that I I have played therapist with a lot of friends. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. (laughs) And and I've had and I've had friends that have been like a therapist for me. And, um, it's about being comfortable talking about things that make you uncomfortable that helps you, that helps you confront it and realize things about yourself that if you internalize it, you may not realize. Right. Because internalizing is the worst thing you can do because it just, it tears you up inside and you end up exploding or imploding. Either way, it's not good. Yeah, absolutely. There have, there have been so many times in my life where I was feeling bad, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, feeling unhappy, um, you know, feeling concerned. And I kept my mouth shut because I either, A, didn't want to be a burden to other people by talking about it, um, you know. That's a my- big thing, why people think they're burdens, because so many people feel that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that also sometimes people don't want to open up to the people that are close to them because they're afraid of judgment. Sometimes, oh, absolutely. It, sometimes it is personal and sometimes, um, sometimes they feel like, if, well, if I communicate this, the person that I care about is going to look at me differently. They look at me as the funny person, the happy person, the lively person. And now, and now they're going to have this like negative association with me. And do I want that? Yeah, hundred percent. Some people, when you tell them things and this is, this goes into the whole, you need to have your friendships at different layers. Mm -hmm. There are certain friends I would not talk to this about because I know how they are. And I know that they would judge me for certain things that I say, Mm -hmm. but then I have like the highest friendship level, which like you and I, I can tell you anything and I'll have to worry about judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, those are the friends that you need in your life. Absolutely. The people that are just going to sit there and stand by you and listen to you and be like, what do you need from me? Do you need me to, do you, do you need to vent or do you need advice? That is like a big question too. Mm-hmm. Like when some, when your friend's venting to you, 
and stuff like that, you you need to really make a distinction and like figure out like are they looking to vent? Are they looking to advice and for advice? And that is the best the best way to do that is asking them. Absolutely. Like, what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. If you want to vent, I will listen to you for hours and say nothing and just be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's fucked up. Yeah. But if you I need mean, advice, then I will 100% jump in and give you logical advice. Yeah, for some people, they just need to say these things out loud. They right. need to um, express how they feel and actually hear themselves saying it. And, and that's it, extremely helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for people that are uncomfortable with saying it to someone, really... I would recommend that they record themselves saying it and listen back and think about what they would do if somebody that they loved was coming to them with this. Would they tell them to seek out therapy? Would they tell them to leave a bad situation? Would they tell them they're overreacting? Like, listen to yourself talk. If you're not, if you're not comfortable with, you know, saying it to someone, you know, you you can say it to yourself and um, it's a, you know, a, kind of a tool of self-reflection. I know that with my company, I started doing sounding board sessions. Um, I make it very clear. I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. But if you need somebody that you can talk to that is impartial, that's not going to judge you, that doesn't know anybody in your personal life, that doesn't know you from Adam, and and you just want to talk to them, you know, um, that, you know, that, that's something that is valuable. And so I I provided that service. I provided that service because when I was doing wellness coaching, I realized that a lot of people do have those like feelings that they need to navigate and emotions that they need to navigate and like frustrations that they need to just get out and it helps them. And, right. Uh, and if people are uncomfortable yeah. with talking about that thing, another thing that works really well is like journaling and setting shit on fire. Because who doesn't like fire? <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't like to burn shit down? Um, but like writing something on a piece of paper, like all of the negative things that are in your head that you just want to get rid of and then setting it on fire, it's somewhat nostalgic and like just very comforting. Yeah. Because it's like it was in your head, but now it's gone and now you don't have to think about it again. Yeah, I totally get that. How it'll be like a a moment of, I got it out, now I'm letting it go. Exactly. It's a good let go technique. Yeah, because the thing is, is that the things that happened to you and the things that are happening happening to you are going to, whether you freak out or feel negatively about it or not. And if you right. get yourself so worked up, you're never going to either address how you felt in that situation or address the situation at hand. Um, so, like, just being aware of how you're feeling and and accepting that and then also accepting that you have to let that go and move forward is so important. It really is. Like, that, I, that and technique has helped me so much. And, and fire. fire. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not going to be responsible if anybody lights their shit on fire. Plus, worst comes to worst, you burn something down, the hot firemen come, and you're just like, okay, cool, 
awesome. This is a good day now. (laughs) And like, we're talking about paper. We're not saying like, yeah, you had a lot of Don't light your house on fire. Light it on fire to let it go. Like, that doesn't mean your ex-boyfriend. That doesn't mean his car. Yeah, no. We're not. Don't do that. You're going to go to jail. (laughs) We're not advocating for arson. But, um, but sometimes you do. You need to burn it down. And it's more how you feel about the situation. But again, if you accidentally light your lawn on fire, for example, you get the hot fire department there. Don't do, don't do this in California. It's a bad call. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you're going to do it there, do it in your sink. Yeah. Like, make sure that you're, you're keeping the fire contained, <laughs> that you're using proper fire safety Have a techniques. close water source. <laughs> Yes, that you have a way to extinguish it effectively. Yes, of course. Um, because, like, like our luck, we're gonna like our first episode. We're gonna get like a lawsuit. Like, well, they, they told me to light it, light it on fire. Well, in all fairness, we were originally gonna name this. What was it? Why can't I think of it right now? Oh man, we went through so bad many advice. Things. Oh, yeah, bad advice. This would be perfect for bad advice. <laughs> this would <laughs> light shit on fire. <laughs> just, just light it on fire. Just light it on fire and run. You're good. Yes. That's some bad advice. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, definitely, we were talking about how trauma affects our sense of humor, how, um, you know, our trauma that has caused this like you know anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. at different parts of our lives has affected us um one thing you know that we had on our list and it's something that's like a very near and dear statement Mm -hmm. that bothers me so much or not not a statement that's the wrong word um an, an association or an assumption that pisses me off and it's that Women that enjoy sex or women that are sexually aggressive or I guess some even say like promiscuous or whatever. It's basically like women that have a lot of sex, but they have daddy issues. Oh, that's such bullshit. I hate that so much. Don't get me wrong. There are definitely women out there that do. But at the same time, you cannot put that blanket statement out there that's not right yeah like I would like the record to show and say on a you know on a public platform I love sex but I have a fantastic I've never had daddy issues I've always had a great relationship with my dad I mean both of my parents actually of of course teenage years are always difficult for everyone but I have a really healthy and great relationship with my dad and I don't see how any of my relationships with my family have affected my sex life in any way. Oh, it has nothing to do with it. Like I got told in, or I'm sorry, my parents got told in preschool that I was going to grow up to be a nympho because I kept masturbating in class. Oh shit. My mom got pissed as shit. And fucking told the teacher off. Um, she wasn't and then, wrong. In and all then you ended up being info anyway. Like this. Right. I proved her right. That That's that shutdown didn't age well. But um, <laughs> but you know, like the thing is, is that I 
I personally believe that enjoying sex can just be about enjoying sex, about about that being something that's high on your importance list, about something that, you know, like, I don't think that it necessarily needs, like, external factors that cause it. Like, as Yeah, I mean, men that enjoy sex aren't said to have mommy issues. Yeah, I feel like the daddy issues thing is almost implying that women that enjoy sex are mentally ill due to trauma. Which is insane because of that reason by itself. I mean, to be fair, I do like have like anxiety, but that I don't I don't see that correlation really. Yeah, like, so do I. But at life. the same time, that it has nothing to do with sex. <laughs> I feel like it's like another way to like, like make sex like a bad thing, and I I think that. In general, the way that kids are brought up, um, you know, some people are taught that like masturbation is wrong, that that sex is that sex is like almost like a a bad thing. Like it kind of goes along with like what we were saying before, don't have sex before marriage, like um, like, you know, maybe that politeness and being afraid to communicate is part of the fact that you feel like you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing Um, and you're not like having a a healthy release of like that part of you, like a person's yeah, sexuality. Yeah, need is that. It is a hundred percent, which is why I always like look at the dads that are telling their daughters not to do things and not accepting their sexuality. It's not your choice as a parent; it is their choice as a person. So when they are ready, they should feel free to. Yeah, I, I feel like just straight up. Some men, not all. If they have a son and a daughter, if their son is sexually active, it's high fives all around. Oh, yeah. But their daughter, oh, 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 God forbid. I'm getting my gun now. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, not, it's not healthy. It's not fair. No, it's not. I think that the focus should be on respectful sex, consensual sex, safe sex, preventing pregnancy, you know, Absolutely. contraception. Like, that should be the focus because let's face it. If somebody wants to do it, they're going to do it anyway. Yeah, regardless. You're not going to be able to stop it. So you might as well just accept it. Put your child on whatever they're asking for, whether it be birth control or mm -hmm. teach them about condoms if you don't feel birth control is the right choice, which is also understandable because you're pumping yourself with a shit ton of hormones, which isn't necessarily great. But then you should be providing solutions of alternatives right. for contraception or at least the information. I mean, like, I'm not exactly. saying that like you have a 15 year old, like go out and buy them all the condoms and you know, like, like but you not... should have them available if they need it. Yes. I think that the, the biggest thing is, is not saying don't have sex, but saying do it if you want to. And don't yes. ever allow anybody to pressure you into Correct. it. That um, is the best way to put it. Do not let anybody pressure you. But if you feel comfortable and that's where you are at mentally, then here's the condoms in the draw. I'm just going to walk away and pretend like they weren't there. <laughs> yeah. You know how like I mean, in every movie, like when something bad's happening or somebody like goes to like go visit like a medical facility and they're like, oh, yeah, we can't give you this information. And they're like, 
oh, okay. And then they're like, but wait, I'm just going to leave this here and go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> just, and they like slide it. Like, yeah, they just over. slide it. So yeah, same thing with that, but with condoms. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe if I just happen to have condoms in the bathroom right. and somebody just happens to steal it, then, you know. Exactly. It's perfectly fine. You just allow it to happen. Have it openly available. As it should be. It's just, yeah, because, like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of parents, like, almost, like, police their, their kids' sex lives, and... There was that whole story about, what was it, T.I. that was, like, going to his daughter's gynecologist visits and making sure she was a virgin. Mm. I'm like, first of all, that's not how that works. <laughs> no. Because he was making sure that her, what is it called? When you have sex, the thing that's supposed to break. Oh, um, hymen. Hymen. There we go. Yes, yes, yes. He was checking to see if her hymen was broken or not. First of all, that can happen any freaking time. From a tampon. It can happen from a tampon. It can happen from like riding a bike. It can happen anytime. Like that's not a proven way of showing you're a virgin or not. Gymnastics. Yeah, hundred percent. That's how mine got fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, there, you're right. And, and, and that is, that's an extreme form of policing a kid's body and developing a unhealthy relationship with sex for them. Like, it, it's not, yeah. it's I'm not sorry, productive. your parent should not be in a gynecologist's office with you unless you ask them to be there. Mm-hmm. Which me, my first time, of course, I was like, mom, come with me. Mm-hmm. Because I was terrified. Like, I didn't know. It was, and still to this day, I still don't enjoy it. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, mom, come in here with me. I'm, like, about yes. to end my shit because I'm, like, terrified. I'm going to lose it. And please stop this bitch if he tries to hurt me. <laughs> right? Oh, but my yeah, God. no, 100%. The, your parent should not be in there with you unless you give consent to bring them in there. I don't care what age you are. Yeah, of course. I mean, they they always have the opportunity that if they if it's a male doctor, there's always a female nurse in there. But um, I think that you know, kids and teenagers should be just as much entitled to privacy and um, entitled to you know their own bodies. And and it's up to them if somebody else is going to be there during a doctor's visit. Um, It's up to them when they're ready. And again, like very young children that are trying to act older, I understand that like parents are afraid. They're afraid that, you know, their child's going to get taken advantage of or that they're going to have, you know, um, pregnancy or whatever really young but um that's why that like open communication and making them feel like they can come to you with things will guarantee not guarantee but it will help make sure that they're keeping you in the loop on things like this because it's okay to talk about it well wasn't that just fantastic we definitely hope you enjoyed the first part of thanks it's the trauma Part two is coming up. Thank you again for supporting our bullshit. And we can't wait to see you next time. Thank you for listening to I Don't Know What's Happening.